Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Darcy Thompson-Fields. And my name is Nathan Anibaba and this is the CEO.Digital show. This is an open-ended exploration of markets, technology, trends, ideas and strategies that will help you better deliver results for your company and your stakeholders. You can learn more and stay up to date at CEO.Digital. Nathan, how did you find our interview with Cecilia? I loved the interview with Cecilia. I loved how their sensor-based technology can have applications in aerospace, telecommunications, but also medicine, telemedicine specifically. And that's so important in terms of improving patient outcomes. And we need that now in this environment of COVID, right? We do. And yeah, their technology really does feel like the future. <laughs> it really does. What about you? What did you think? I also really liked hearing about Cecilia's leadership style, her philosophy of lift as you rise, mm. the idea of, you know, you're only as successful as the people around you, as the people working for you. So it's so important to help them grow with you. So inspiring. Shall we get into the episode? Let's do it. Our guest this week is Cecilia Harvey, CEO at Hive Dynamics. She has over 20 years experience in finance and technology and is an advocate for responsible technology leadership that seeks to inspire, elevate and disrupt global businesses and communities. She started her career in Wall Street in banking. Other roles included being the COO of Citigroup Markets and Security Services Technology and positions with Morgan Stanley, Barclays Capital and IBM. She was featured in Forbes magazine in 2019 as a leading lady in technology and a 2018 We Are the City Tech Women 100 winner. Cecilia Harvey, welcome to the CEO.Digital show. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here. Really good to have you on the show. Your, your history and background is really exciting. Um, thank you very much for your time. You thought that you would be a lawyer when you started your career back on, on Wall Street in 2000 with Lehman Brothers. You don't see that many black women in the financial services what first attracted you to the industry? Yeah, um, going to Wall Street, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there aren't that many um, black women, especially back then, 20 years ago, when I sure. first entered the industry. But what, what first really attracted me to the, to the industry was um, a, a school trip that I took. I was at Wellesley. I was a first year student. And um, one of the women who is still my friend to this day, Tanya Ziegler, she was a, a senior. She was in her final year and she was taking the school sponsored trip called the Wall Street trip. Mm. And, um, and she was like, you know, just come along. And I thought, no, no, I'm a first year. Like, you know, I can't go. And so then, you know, she was, she's like, no, come on, let's go. Let, you know, you'll learn so much, even if it's your, your first year. Sure. So I thought, okay, let's do it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, once again, she's one of my closest friends. So, you know, having that influence from somebody um, was, was really important. And then when we got there, my goodness. I just thought the energy, this pace, um, I want to, this is the career that I want. And I saw there was another black woman who was a Wellesley alum and she was sort of, she was a, a wall street trader and, and she was one of the people who was like really leading the, the alum team in terms of getting uh, women to come work on wall street. So when you mm. see somebody that looks like you and has a similar background as you, 
Mm. It just, that even more so made it more attractive and made it seem like, you know what, this is actually it's a possibility possible. for yeah. me. Yeah. Because mm. I remember seeing her and thinking, oh my goodness, she's so glamorous and she's so fierce. <laughs> and, you know, I want to be like her when I grow up. Sure. And, and, you know, you think, wow, that that's really possible for me. So, and then for the next four years, I just worked my tail off to get every single internship I could, mm. to get everything I could just to prepare to work on Wall Street after I graduated. The power of representation. Definitely. Really, really fascinating. So, so fast forward a few years and you enter the world of management consulting, first with Bearing Point, then with Morgan Stanley, Accenture. What did you take away from those positions that you're now using as CEO of Hive Dynamics? That was very, very early on in my career working at those companies. I learned so much. I, I made so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I, you know, and I think also I saw examples of great leaders who I learned from and mm. who I definitely benefited from being part of their teams. And and then I also saw a lot of terrible leaders and I saw just the impact that that had on people's lives, both personally and professionally. So, you know, Oprah has a saying, the, the turn your wounds into wisdom. And I mm -hmm. think that during that time, you definitely, I definitely learned a lot um, that I used as w wisdom going forward for who I wanted to be. I think that during that time, I really started to really form my identity in terms of what I liked, what I didn't like, who you are as a person. Um, at that, you know, around that time, I didn't know who I was or, or, or what I was about. Um, how old were you then roughly? Early twenties, like mid twenties. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. think, you know, at that time, you know, you, you sort of show up with your mask on of what sure. you think you should be and, sure. and what you think people want to hear, but that mask becomes so heavy and it becomes really exhausting to carry around. So yeah. I think one of the things that I really learned is that um, you got to take the mask off and you put on a crown and you got to be mm. proud of yourself. You got to congratulate yourself on how far you've come. Be proud of who you are. Be your authentic self. So for me, I learned that ultimately I needed to be somewhere that I, where I felt that I was appreciated and, and, and that was, in, and that was somewhere where I was really going to grow. So that was really my takeaway from the experience was lessons learned about who I was as a person and, and the type of leader I wanted to be, what culture works for me in an organization. And I think you need to know when it's time to walk away. I learned during mm -hmm. that time what worked for me, what didn't work for me in terms of a work environment. And I'm thankful for those experiences and, and the revelation, because you know when it's time to move on to something else. You, you know what your boundaries are. Um, now with Hive as, as the CEO, it's, it's really about me being that authentic leader that I've grown mm -hmm. to be. And, um, but also creating a culture of inclusiveness where I want people to walk in the door and remove their mask and to be mm -hmm. their authentic selves and be proud of, of who they are where they came from and what they do. Yeah, I think that authenticity uh, and building that culture and leadership is so important. What should be the top focus for your fellow CEOs today? I think it's really about being a leader where people 
really know who you are as a person and what you stand for and, and what you stand against. I think that gone are the days where we sort of have these um, sort of cut out board types of leaders, I call them, where, you know, it's very cookie cutter and everybody's saying the same corporate speak. I, I think people just aren't going to deal with that, fall for that anymore, or, or just find it acceptable. I think that we're, we're living in times where um, there's certain issues just from a social impact perspective, whether it be diversity, whether it be sustainability, the environment, you know, all these different things. And people want to understand where do you stand? Like, who are you as a person? That's what people are going to get behind. That's what that's who people are going to follow. That's where clients are going to want to do their business. Mm. Um, you know, who are you as a person? Can they trust you? And that authenticity needs to show through. Just before we get into the details of Hive Dynamics, because it's an absolutely fascinating company, I mean, you've got a background in financial services and management consulting. Both industries are sort of rife with bad bad practices, some bad practices, some some very good practices. But over the last few years, we've known that there have been uh, numerous bad practices that have been sort of taking place within those industries. What were some of the things that you didn't take forward some of the lessons, could you share some examples of the things that you didn't take with you to become part of your identity and the way that you think as a CEO now as Hive Dynamics from those previous experiences? I think the things that I didn't take with me are any anything where it just wasn't aligned to who I was in terms of my values. I think that anything that doesn't, al- doesn't align with um, being somebody who's a, that has integrity, uh, transparency, then those are the things that just didn't work for me and that I, I wasn't going to take away from me. If I, you know, I was going to deal in situations where um, if it may be a difficult conversation to have, but I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be truthful. It may not be what you want to hear, um, but I'm going to have enough respect for you to, to, to give you the truth. Um, and I think that, you know, very simply, those were the things that I took away is that if it mm-hmm. didn't have anything to do with um, being a person of integrity, transparency, and just treating people with respect, not going to be a part of it. Really, really interesting. So so you've been the CEO of Hive Dynamics now for a year. Really interesting company. The business creates sensor technology solutions that elevate the standards and performance of business and society. The applications can be used really across several industries, aerospace, automotive, gaming and healthcare. Tell us a little bit more about the company. What problems are you solving for your customers? Yeah, uh, Hive, we're a, a sensor technology company. Um, really, you know, sort of these next generation of, of sensors, which it's not even the next generation, it's really now. It's here. Uh, where, where it's applicable. Yeah, we saw a gap in the market and just continued demand for thin, flexible sensors that could be applied to and integrated with any surface. So, within traditional types of wearables, or it could be applied as a film on a car or within clothing, we saw demand for increased precision of the data that sensors provided. We saw demand for data that also accounts for the real world environmental and physical conditions when that data is captured. Uh, People wanted the ability to capture that data real time, wirelessly. And we didn't see anyone else in the, the market that was doing that on a commercial level or 
on an enterprise level in the areas of biometrics and fluid dynamics. So we hear all the time that data is the new oil, but really our sensor technology is, I, I view it as that pipeline and the refinery, if you will. So not only are we capturing that data, but we're also providing a level of precision and refining that data so that you're able to offer your clients unparalleled data insights. So although Hive, we're, we're very niche and we're very focused in terms of the data that we focus on. So it's biometrics and, and fluid dynamics, but that niche area has applications across so many industries. Mm. But, but more importantly, when you think of those areas that society is so focused on right now, so sustainability, the environment, lowering CO2 emissions, Sensor technology is an—it's an enabler for these very significant and impactful areas. It's—it's it's exciting to to be in an area of tech that is helping to create these more efficient and sustainable business models. So that's the future. So similar to uh, what Intel did with the chip, sure. that's what. Hive wants to do with sensors. So we envision a, a world that's powered by Hive. Really, really fascinating. And there are so many amazing applications off the back of that. Um, telemedicine is one that we'll come on to talk to talk about in a, in a moment. But uh, since, you're, since you joined as CEO a year ago, what things were top of your mind when you first started in the role? Tell us what the company looked like when you joined and sort of what things were top of your agenda when you first started in the role? Yeah, I think for me, it's always, whenever you're going into a, a new venture, um, a new company, a new role, it's really about making sure that you have that healthy foundation. So it's just getting the basics right. Um, it doesn't matter how long the company's been around. Um, it, so one, for me, it's, it's definitely from a people perspective, um, making sure that there was that right level of engagement and communication, not only within the technology team, but also with our key stakeholders, our shareholders, clients, prospective clients, prospective uh, investors. That was absolutely very key for me, especially during this time of dealing with a pandemic also. You need to make sure that that communication and engagement is 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 even more uh, precise and, and people feel like they're getting the information that they need. Second thing, it was having a very focused strategy. I'm, I'm not about having what I call this sort of peanut butter style of, of thinking about tech and strategy where you're sort of spread across so much and you're, mm. you can do so much with everything. You, you've got to stay focused. Um, you've got to have a, a clear strategy, uh, clear target market. And, and that was very critical that we did that and established that. Also, key partnerships. I think you can't really go it alone these days, especially in tech. So it's about creating this ecosystem of partners where it allows you to move faster and bring more effective solutions for your clients. And then finally, it's back back to the whole, just getting the basics right. It's future-proofing your business. I'm I'm a visionary, but I'm a very uh, pragmatic visionary. So for me, it's always making sure that you, you've got the basics right. So your financials, your risk and controls, what you're building has integrity and standards. 
So for me, it was really about getting those things right. The people, a focus strategy, who are our key partners, and really making sure that we're future-proofing the business so that we're able to grow and scale in a way where it doesn't create instability in the Of course. Yeah, so important. Um, We touched on the Hive Dynamics product a bit before, and your flagship product is your sensor skin technology. Those sensors can be embedded in clothing, remote monitoring, and telemedicine by alerting uh, potential vital abnormalities before they become too serious. Something like this can take huge pressure off health services like the NHS. Uh, Can you tell us more about the benefits? Sure. As we very, very tentatively, I feel, enter this uh, recovery phase of this global pandemic, sensor technology is a strategic enabler to really help getting employees back to work, students back into school, mm. and, and consumers back to stores. Health and safety is really the, the utmost priority in this process. So Hive sensor technology allows for as you stated, the proactive identification of many of these key symptoms that are related to coronavirus. So this is going to include temperature, heart rate, respiration, blood oxygen levels, and also stress and anxiety indicators also, which is a great um, way of getting a sense of people's mental health um, realities. So these types of sensors, they're providing... They're proving critical to both the testing and the treatment process. So through the wireless delivery and the remote monitoring capabilities, the ability to proactively alert and monitor in near real-time conditions when an individual starts to exhibit symptoms, it's going to be critical for containing COVID-19 or any other Severe contagious pandemic. So, oh God, don't talk about any other. I, I, you know, never, We're I mean, only dealing with COVID nineteen. <laughs> you know, so we've we've definitely seen an an increase in demand for our sensor technology, specifically in the areas of remote medical monitoring, wearable manufacturing, and and optimization of of wearables, and, and also telemedicine. So, this pandemic, it's been a massive wake up call. Yeah. The phone's really been ringing off the hook from companies that focus in these areas because although they now need, they acknowledge that they now need smarter sensors that give them the improved data precision for biometrics, you know, such as temperature, blood pressure, blood oxygen, but also the ability to have very small thin, flexible sensors that can be easily incorporated within their technology, that's a game changer for them. Mm. So we offer quite simply just superior data precision. And that's what gives organizations not only competitive edge in this environment, but it it, it gives them survival. Mm. And, and we talk about the the benefits to the NHS in in the UK, but this is also something that's really needed in, in North America, where, where you're from. Um, a, a lot of poor people have inadequate access to affordable health care, as we've known over the years. Um, this sort of application would be revolutionary in America. Completely. I mean, the, the COVID-19 pandemic has exposed so many gaps within our health care service and definitely the, the severe inequalities in both the treatment and the well-being of people of different demographics. So sensor technology can help to bridge these inequalities by providing 
much more equal access to basic healthcare services uh, by protecting the public as a whole and by helping stabilize just the global economy. Um, one of the reasons why I feel so privileged to be the CEO of, of a company like Hive is because you're part of a company that's creating technology that leads to healthcare equality. It's helping yeah. to save lives. So our, our skin Tech, sensor skin technology improves the precision of of the data, the biometric health data. Um, so imagine a world where there's equal access to healthcare quality, regardless of your socioeconomic sta- status and your geographic location. Imagine where you can have the deployment of mobile hospitals to service impoverished communities around the globe. Imagine where there's minimal health care capacity constraints, especially for aging population that we do have. And then also imagine where there's just that proactive treatment of mental and emotional health issues that ultimately is going to improve the quality of life for, for, for millions. So, um, so important. So important. And I think, you know, it's amazing the impact uh, that this sort of technology can have on healthcare and that sort of visionary future that you talk about. But I'd also be interested to learn about how this technology can disrupt other industries such as, you know, aerospace, automotive and transport. No, definitely. I think that in terms of what we do, it's definitely on the area of automotive is similar with the fluid dynamic side, you know, companies. Um, on the automotive and the aerospace industries, they have a high reliance on very expensive wind tunnels and, and computer simulations. So uh, many are looking to our technology as a way for them to improve the efficiency and performance with better design from the data precision that they would receive from using our sensors, but also just to reduce costs. I mean, especially in the, in the world we're in today, people need to be more efficient with their business models. So yeah. this is a way to help them reduce costs that comes from using wind tunnels and computer simulation, which is which is hundreds of millions of dollars a year of infrastructure to use and maintain. Absolutely. And when we were catching up ahead of this uh, interview, you said that tech should be an enabler for good. And we've seen a lot of examples of where technology and data are used for nefarious purposes, intentionally and unintentionally. So how do we build technology in a way that is inclusive and is, you know, as you say, an enabler for good? It definitely starts with the people, right? I mean, you've got to encourage people to voice their concerns and you need to reward that behavior. People need to be encouraged to use their voice. That makes people feel more empowered. Then, But then also you need to listen to them. Before any, before any sort of public headline um, comes out there externally that's negative in any way, I, I bet you 10 times out of 10, there were concerns that were voiced internally. And yeah. were those voices acknowledged? Were people listened to? Or, or were they ignored in silence? So I think that when you bring in people who um, come from different backgrounds, have different experiences, you're going to have that creativity, right? But then also, I, I think that you need to encourage people to, when they view that there is a way of solving a problem differently, 
or, you know, this could be something that maybe it could go wrong or something we could be concerned about. Listen to that. Um, try and understand it because it's not just about hitting a deadline, but it's about having integrity and, and understanding your sense of responsibility with the technology that you're putting out there. So, Cecilia, what's the vision of the of the future? Because um, I'm reading a couple of books at the moment about AI and how they're going to be our overlords and take over the world and <laughs> run our lives. And it, and what you're talking about seems remarkably uh, close to, I guess, a, a future that is really driven by tech. But as you said, tech being an enabler for good. But but what does the vision of the company look like over the next few years? What's the roadmap for growth, and how will you get there? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I think that uh, is similar to what Intel did with the chip. That's what we want to do with with Hive for sensors. So powered by Hive, but we have a lot of exciting opportunities because the one the world has changed, and and we are one of those technologies that can help companies to not only transform but and, and adapt to this new way of, of living and working, but also just to stay in business. So on the biometric side, the the Hive armband solution is receiving interest not only from businesses that want to implement the solution as a tool to recover and restore confidence to staff, to clients during this pandemic, but also we're engaging with companies that are manufacturers of wearables, that are healthcare providers, remote monitoring companies, telemedicine companies that want to use our sensors in their technology offerings. So that's one area on the biometric side. On the fluid dynamic side, as I mentioned before, uh, companies in the, the automotive space, uh, in, in aerospace, massive reliance on more traditional technologies such as wind tunnels and, and, and computer simulation, very expensive um, and, and often not, they don't produce the, the accuracy that you need with our sensors that would also incorporate that sort of real world um, data also uh, in terms of the environmental data and the physical conditions in which that data is captured. So use of our technology in terms of beginning better efficiency and improved performance with the design that comes from that data, but also just in a pragmatic way, just to reduce costs over the years and being able to strategically ap apply that budget elsewhere where it's definitely going to be needed. And then also from an environmental perspective, um, as companies from across a number of different sectors are looking at their strategy for reducing carbon footprint and other sustainability initiatives. Uh, they're approaching us to understand how they can use sensor technology to help them achieve these strategic objectives within their areas. So as I said, through our sensors, we we definitely see a world that's, that's powered by Hive. Hmm. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of the show that in your 20s, you were sort of, uh, you were wearing a mask quite early in, in your career. You didn't really know who, who you were. Um, I don't really know who I am now and I'm in my, in my 30s. <laughs> but um, talk a little bit about the values that you gained that subsequently allowed you to navigate your career, not only as a CEO, but also as a leader. When did you come to those values and, and share some of what those values are that now guide the way you operate as a CEO? Yeah, I think um, the first is, is, is definitely integrity. 
uh, and, and honesty, because I think that brings about transparency. So people mm-hmm. know who you are. They feel comfortable doing business with you. They know that they may not want to hear certain things, but they're going to hear it and they know <laughs> it's going to be the truth. Sure. So that's one. I think I'm very, I, I'm very passionate about what I do. I, I love, uh, one of the reasons I love tech is I feel like there's this sense of adventure. You know, there's always, it's always changing. There's always something new. And I think that's inspirational. I think you want to, um, as a leader, inspire those that you work with. I think you want to be inspired by them. So that's definitely a, a value that I, that I hold quite dear. Respect, you, your respect is going to get you through tough times and challenges, and also you're going to have to have difficult conversations mm. with people. Um, I think, especially now, especially in the, the, you know, with what we're dealing with now, just within the world, do you, people are going to have to start getting very comfortable with being uncomfortable and start having very difficult conversations that they didn't have before. But I think when you have that respect for one another and I have enough respect to come to you and have that honest discussion, then that gets you through tough times. It it, it makes you um, understand where the other person's coming from. You have that, you develop that sense of empathy, which I think is very important. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm. And that allows people to have that mutual respect. Even though you may have different viewpoints, you could still work together be respectful of one another and and have that debate. And I think finally for me, it's it, with when you're a leader, I, I view it you're in a you're in a role of service. So it's really about service to others. You've got to remove the ego. And I learned that very early in my career. When you remove the ego, everything becomes so sim- so simple. You don't get offended by a lot of stuff. <laughs> you don't offend other people. Sure. Um, you know, I, I may be the co-founder and the CEO, but it's not about me. What we're doing at Hive is bigger than me. I have a responsibility to others, that the shareholders of this company, our, our clients, our employees. So, and that's really how I I take the role is that I'm in a a role of service to others. Well, you certainly have been inspirational as as a leader, something that was recognized by Vogue when you were featured recently as part of their Forces for Change campaign. Uh, And if you'll forgive me, I'm going to quote you back to you. Um, But in that you said, (laughs) I had the power to decide if I was going to let various distractions get in my way. Those distractions included fear, doubt, injustice, naysayers, toxic environments and toxic people. These distractions were not the challenges. My ability to tune out these distractions was the challenge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, everybody has obstacles that they're going to need to overcome. It's it's a given. So in, in that regard, I'm not different from anyone else. I don't view myself differently as anyone. If if others see me as different or choose to label me, that's their issue. That's not mine. So you have to have that mindset. We we are we're all more alike than we are different. Um, my experiences have gotten me to where I am today. So I have no regrets. I don't define them as being good or bad. And, and that's another mindset. Yeah, I think that my greatest obstacles were the ones that I created for myself. So, you know, back to that quote about how, yeah, it was 
you know, I had the power to decide if I was going to let that get in my way. And once I learned that it was my ability to, to tune out what I termed as, yeah, those distractions, that, that was the challenge. Once I learned that, that's when you realize that you're just unstoppable. Yeah. And, and yeah, it gets, it gets back to a, a, a quote that I've, that I've used where it, it's not the water surrounding the boat that sinks the ship. It's mm. the water that gets in the, that sinks the ship. So mm. you need to recognize your power um, in order to do that, in order to, to block that out and just to, to get on with things. So I think it's, I think the only barriers that we have are the ones that we create for ourselves. You need to have the the power to decide if you're going to let that bother you. Yeah. So that's really where that, that sort of that mindset comes from. I think that's fantastic advice. And I know, you know, you do do a lot of advocacy for women in leadership and women in tech. And I just wanted to ask two things of you first is, you know, what would be your top advice for other women navigating their career in tech? And then also, what, where do you see the future of women in tech going? Yeah, I think um, in terms of career advice, in, you know, I think for anyone, whether it be a man or a woman or, or any industry or career, I, I think it's, you got to get out of your own way um, and really just create options for yourself know your worth, you recognize your power. I remember when I was um, at a previous company and there was a, a young woman and, you know, all year, and I think everybody can identify with a story of, you know, you're hoping for that promotion, yeah. you're hoping for that pay raise, you've spoken to your boss about it, <laughs> you know, they haven't told you no, but they haven't told you yes, but you know, you're doing everything you can, you're working hard, you're, you're ticking all the you're boxes. hanging in there. You're hanging in there, you know, and then that day comes and you walk in that room and you're ready to hear what the decision is. And and then you get told that, no, you didn't get promoted. Mm, <laughs> you on this occasion, not, I'm sorry. I regret to inform you. Yeah, yep. Um, you're not getting that pay raise you thought you were going to get. You're not getting sure. that bonus you thought you were going to get. And you've just been banking on that all year long. And it's, you know, and I, and I remember I said to her, I said, you know, she's telling me the story and she's on the verge of tears. And I said, at what point did you let go of your power? You need to recognize that because all along this whole year, you could have been creating options for yourself. You could have been interviewing, you could have been looking for different opportunities. You could have been in discussions with headhunters about what are, what's out there, what's the going market rate for people of my years of experience in this role. So it's about getting out of your own way, recognize your own power and creating those options for yourself. So when that day came, no matter what the decision was, you already know that you, know, you weren't going to be um, held in bondage by that decision. Like you had option A, B, and C. And you could have walked out there, that room with the biggest smile on your face, even though you just been told you're not getting any money. You're not going anywhere <laughs> this year in terms of, you know, mobility mm. or promotion. Sure. And and that's power. And it's just recognizing that you have that power to create that op mm. those options for yourself. We're slowly reducing inequality in the workplace and the technology industry has been one that has fallen behind in terms of gender inequality. Um, but we are seeing people speak up. We are seeing the industry make strides. So what's your vision for the future of women in technology? 
I mean, I hope that it's definitely in general, just tech in general, is just a, an industry where there is more inclusive thought, mm. where it does reflect the world that we live around, where there is the um, gender and ethnic diversity that is that represents the world that we live in, where there is also just the the different ways of thinking, people from different um, socioeconomic backgrounds, people from different countries, people uh, just from different ways of how they grew up, working together and coming up with solutions together. I'll give you an example, you know, with the with our armband solution at Hive, and just with a lot of what we're doing in the in the health space, um, you know, I grew up in a family where everybody worked in a hospital. And I, um, and I remember that growing up as a child, like my, my mother coming home exhausted, you know, my aunts, my grandmother working on the front line as nurses, nurses aides. Um, and, and, you know, so when this pandemic hit, it definitely hit me in terms of, you know, tech, you know, we can definitely do something to help address this and, and it'll help people, um, that aren't just from the haves, but also from, you know, the have nots, if you want to term it that way, but it'll help people across a mass, um, segment of our population. And similarly, another of our co-founders, his, his wife is a nurse in the NHS. He sees firsthand what she has to deal with coming home to him every single day. Mm. So when you have those experiences in your life, it will influence in terms of the solutions that you want to create and who you want those solutions to ultimately benefit. And we want tech that's going to help to benefit the masses and not a small segment of, of, of just a few. Cecilia, it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you. I've, I've learned so much and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have, have as well. Final question before we get into our, our speed round, our uh, questions more about, about you, the individual. 2020 has been a crazy year. COVID-19, you're the CEO of a disruptive tech company. We've got social inequality all over the place. Talk about what things keep you up at night these nights. I think um, I'm pretty cool person, relaxed person. So I <laughs> Not much. sleep quite easily, but, um, but I think things that I feel keep me up either in a good way and in a, in a mm. maybe in um, concerned ways, just ensuring business agility, um, not only for, for our business for high, but I think for all business and in some ways it does keep me up in a good way because when I think of, it keeps me thinking about different ways in which our Sensor technology, with everything going on, um, can help to address a lot of these issues that can help businesses just to survive. So when we think of industries that have been so negatively impacted, such as the hospitality industry, retail, travel, when you're able to create sensors, such as our armband solution and things like that, and just sensor technology that can help to that provides the data that can detect, that can alert, that can be an early indicator of symptoms that people need to be concerned about. It's another tool that can help to restore confidence. It's another tool that's going to get people back to using businesses, back to being comfortable being in the office, back to getting our global economy going. Mm. So things that keep me up at night, it's thinking about, okay, how do we use our technology to help get 
back to this new way of living and working because the way that we were working before, it's completely changed. I, I call it, you know, we're not getting back to that. That was sort of BC before COVID. <laughs> and now we're in this new world. Yeah. So, you know, how can we use sensor uh, technology and these new w- ways of using sensors to help us adjust and be productive in, in our new normal? Perfect. Well, as we said, we obviously would also like to get to know you a little bit as an individual. So we're going to take you through our speed round with some slightly more lighthearted questions. The first of which I want to ask you, what's your guilty technology pleasure? Oh, Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Are you just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling for for hours? Scrolling, (laughs) scrolling, liking Baby Yoda memes. Yeah. (laughs) And do you post a lot yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I and that's another reason why I love Instagram is that you can use it for so many good, Mm. positive ways. So I try and use mine to really post inspirational message, all of my social media platforms, just to get content out there. Because, you know, somebody's Mm. on the other end of that screen and could use a bit of a pick me up during the day or is going through Mm. a tough time. And, you know, just to see something where it just inspires them, I think, is um, the least that we can do. So, yeah, I love it. Mm, I love that. Um, we've talked a lot about your your values today, but what's the philosophy that you use to growing your own career? What philosophy have you used or do you use as a guiding light in the way that you think about your own career development? Uh, lift as you rise. I think that it's mm. so important that um, it's not just about advancing within your own career, just getting ahead, but it's about the legacy that you leave behind in order to make somebody else's journey easier. That was done for me, whether it be through my family members or mentors that I've had um, over the years. And I view it as a responsibility that that's what I must do as I move forward. We've talked a lot about your leadership experience and you've given a lot of advice, but I wonder if you could sort of cherry pick one of your greatest leadership experiences or successes. For me, one of the things that I'm doing now is I'm trying to leverage my platforms to showcase others um, as a way to showcase stories that inspire me, that I feel others should listen to, um, to showcase people that are, that have gone through their journey and the showing those authentic stories of the ups and the downs and the, the moments where you thought you were absolutely going to quit mm-hmm. because that's what people are going through right now. That's what people need. So for me to be at a point where I can leverage, whether it be my social media platforms or creating new content in order to get those stories out there that I feel it's going to help to inspire people to get people through, you know, people are many, in many instances just sort of locked away right now. Yeah. And, you know, we're not, we're not having the interaction that we used to have. So I think even more so that that inspirational content needs to be out there so that people can continue to develop themselves personally and professionally. So for me, um, that's, an, a, a leadership experience that I consider to be something I'm quite proud of mm. um, and that I'm just continuing to do and will continue to do. 
And, and by the way, what, what was it like being featured in Vogue? I mean, I've tried many times. I've emailed <laughs> them to say that I'm available for uh, any any op-eds that they'd like to do on me. Haven't quite called you back yet. They, they haven't called me back. They haven't emailed me. Maybe you could contact them for me, seeing as though you've uh, been in contact with them. But what was that experience like being being featured in Vogue? It must have been amazing. It was so humbling and so... Um... I, it really takes my breath away because one, it's it's a publication where, you know, honestly, growing up, you know, being a little black girl, I would have never thought I'd be able to to be in Vogue. Sure. And so to to get to that point and to be able to for others to see that that's possible for them mm. um, is one thing. And I think also what Ed, Edward Innifel has done with British Vogue and creating just showcasing the the incredible diversity that's out there yeah. um, in an industry where you probably wouldn't, you don't usually see a lot of diversity, I think is incredible to be showcased in a publication that is showing such significance and, and really putting content out there that is celebrating that diversity. It, it was an absolute honor. So yeah, being in Vogue was an incredible experience because it, it's something that growing up, I would have never thought was possible for somebody that looks like me. And I think um, to, and also just for others to see that that is a reality, I think shows amazing just progress that in the world that we're in now. How do you ensure that when you're leading, um, you're really kind of representing the voice of all your employees? I think it's the way, I think one, it starts with me in terms of me being authentic and um, sort of walking the talk in terms of making sure that I'm listening to what people say to make sure that I'm creating forums for people to voice their concerns, whether it be uh, a group form or they feel that, and they know that they can come to me directly uh, and, and voice any concerns and not feel that there's going to be any sort of negative result of that, or that I'm not going, or I'm going to feel like it's um, them to, not doing the right thing. So I think it's one, it's, it's creating those channels and creating that sense of inclusiveness where people feel like, okay, I can say something, you know, it's going to be well-received and I can go directly to somebody and it, it's actually going to be something that they're going to respect me for. So that's one. Um, and then I think the second thing is, is, as I said, like just rewarding and recognizing when people have, um, communicated something and it's led to a positive change and it's led to us not going down a path that we should not have. I, I, you, you have to do that. You have to give transparency to that. So for me, I think that those are the key things. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think our final question was, what are the top one or two issues that you're working on that are top of mind today? For me, Definitely, it's one, um, you know, just hive dynamics, our sensor technology, uh, just creating and build, continuing to build this company that is at the forefront of solving 
problems, relevant business problems today through the use of sensor technology and, and helping companies do that, especially during these times is, is just number one and something I'm so passionate about and excited about and, and growing the business and, and bringing on individuals into the company where they feel included, where it's a culture where they're they're recognized and rewarded and celebrated for their uniqueness is absolutely key for me. And the second thing is continuing to put content out there that's going to inspire individuals, that's going to help people to aspire to levels that they never even knew were possible for them um, in a way where you're giving practical advice and, and advice where people can apply it for themselves in, in, a, in a way that's authentic for them. So I'll continue to do that also in terms of getting those stories out there, getting that, that practical content out there that's ultimately going to help people design a life that they love. So those are the two things that are top of my mind. Really fascinating. Cecilia, thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) If you enjoyed this conversation, then you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever amazing podcasts are found. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to the CEO.digital show.